Hi all, Eric here. We're still a couple of weeks away from the premiere of Season 6, where we'll be playing a classic Call of Cthulhu scenario with three brand new players who I can't wait to introduce you to. Starting today though, and on each Friday in January, we'll be releasing an episode of a Yellow King RPG side quest called Cold as Ice, exclusively for subscribers to our Patreon. The four-part special follows two new members of the art scene in Paris as they deal with a strange happening during a blizzard that hits Paris in February 1895, just a few days after the events of Season 1. The story is inspired by a blog post from Yellow King RPG creator Robin Laws called Snowy Streets, Icy Hearts, and stars Nature of My Game regular Sarah Lovejoy and Lindsay Brown. What you're listening to right now is a preview of Cold as Ice, and if you'd like to hear the rest, support us at the Hope You Guessed My Name tier on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. When you do, you'll also immediately get access to our Thanksgiving-themed playthrough of Fiasco by Bully Pulpit Games, and fiction compilations that gather together the intro fiction for each season into one easily listenable file per season. Thanks again to everyone for your support, and enjoy this preview of Cold as Ice. So it's late February, 1895. Uh, it's just a couple of days after the events of season one. And uh, an, an uncharacteristic and serious snowstorm has hit Paris. And for whatever reason, our two characters, uh, Rose and Manu, were together. They're friends. They were together when it, when it started snowing at Manu's Paris apartment. And because the snow was so bad, Rose decided to stay. And so um, the two of you are in the apartment. It's, uh, you know, mid-morning, mid to late morning. The snow is still coming down. It's, it's really bad. Like, it's very cold. It's, it's, the weather is really bad out there. Would love for the two of you to just kind of describe what your character looks like, who they are a little bit for me. Um, whoever wants to go first is fine. Sarah's pointing at Lindsay, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, So my character, uh, her name is Rose Fallaby, um, and she is a sculptor um, at this institution. And the way I would describe Rose, um, when she, so she's an American, um, and she had spent time when she was young, she had sort of a rough, rougher upbringing. She had spent time in, um, in a, uh, in a factory as a worker. Um, and I think that that, uh, that sort of life and experience has, has hardened her a little bit. Um, her passion lies in art and obviously she has pulled herself out of that, um, that situation of where she was in America and and has found herself at this great institution. You know, she's learning to sculpt. Um, But I think that behind her art and sort of behind herself as a person is, is a little bit of like a a simmering sort of feeling. Um, 
she she's very clear on what she wants. Um, she is a hard worker um, and can potentially come off as a little cold to those who don't know her simply because she's just very focused. Um, but those who are closer to her can understand that she there's no one more loyal. There's no one more dedicated. Um, and her warmth can come through more in the way that she is protective of people Um supportive of them um she might not be the, the chattiest person in the world but um you know it, it can be a very solid friend um and i think that you know being at rose or being at um menu's apartment and and the snow coming down and whatnot for her it was just a very practical decision it's the weather is too bad she simply cannot leave um i also think that she gleaned a lot from her friendship and relationship with um menu who's uh, potentially more like softer more interesting vibrant side um and so she's probably feeling uh she's feeling content in being able to spend this extra time together so you're saying that Baby It's Cold Outside is not playing in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is a uh, Baby Le Fouad? Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Sorry in advance for the French phrases I'm going to try and slip in from I love uh, high school fr- French. I love yes. it. I <laughs> <laughs> Both of you speak more French than I do, so. Very rusty. Um... Oh, I'm so glad you're happy to be in my apartment. That's wonderful. <laughs> it did start practical. You know, it was like we were somewhere and it was like, my place is closer. Let's just go warm up there. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Some girls time. Um, were you going to say anything else about? Oh, no. Go was... ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Manu is French and has lived her entire life in France. She grew up on a small farm a few hours from Paris uh, she looks, I guess, in my mind, it's like how you would picture a young, beautiful girl from a farm in France in a romance novel or something. And she has, course. like, <laughs> long, blonde, like, tousled curls and big blue eyes, maybe, like, um, a heart-shaped face, rosebud lips, you know, like, the whole the <laughs> oh, whole <yeah>. thing. <laughs> Wind is always slightly blowing, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> just like the curls yes. are, like, loose, you know, she's not, like, spent time being quaffed or anything like that. She's a, she's a stereotype, but like in a good way. Right. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just they like, built the stereotype off of her. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. She is the epitome, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just knew that this farm was, this provincial life was not for her to quote Belle, <laughs> you know, like it's just not, it's not it. <laughs> um, and yeah, just has like a great joy for life and brings that to Paris with her. Her apartment is like has colorful glasses and none of them match and she found them at the flea market or someone gave it to her and she keeps it because it reminds her of them. Um, That sort of a thing. And so she's she's not an artist, correct? She's she's a she's 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 around the art scene. Yes, she's you know, she is inspired by the world. She dabbles in the arts, but herself does not does not create um a specific body of work, I guess. Great. And so um, in game terms, Sarah is playing the muse character. Um, and so she is more the subject of art than the creator of art. Yes. But she certainly um, does not walk around saying, I am a muse. You know, I am just, a muse. It, find, it finds her, in, you know, it guides her life in the same way that uh, really anything could guide one's life. 
Of course, of uh, course. Listen, a good muse never has to name. They don't have to. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, they know, but... Everyone yeah. knows, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I didn't give a physical description of Rose. Should I do that? Sure. I apologize for jumping in. So, really quick, because as Manu was being described, I was like, oh, let me tell you what, like, what Rose looks like, too. So, Rose, I feel like you could say is a slight antithesis of that. She's very, like... She is wearing, like, very plain clothes. We're talking, like, you know, like a gray or brownish, like, dress. Like, it's probably as, like, fitting as it can be as possible. She is, like, preternaturally wearing constantly uh, an apron that's, like, dirty because she's just always ready to create. She carries her tools around with her. She has, um, like, a chestnut brown hair that she keeps um, either in a braid or a tight bun. Um, at the back of her head, but there's always just a little bit of disarray to it that is potentially surprising for someone like her. So, um, as I said, it's it's mid-morning uh, in, in Manu's uh, Parisian apartment in the Latin Quarter in Paris. It's still coming down outside. Um, you know, there's a little bit of sun out, and so the, the you know, the, the snow is kind of glowing outside. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it seems nice, right? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasant morning and the two of you are probably sitting talking as you have been, um, since you're kind of snowed in together and you hear a knock on the door. I think Manu bustles over like, who is it? Just not concerned. Police. Oh, well, almost immediately, I think um, Rose's probably has like a cup of tea or, you know, whatever they're drinking in the morning. Um, she stands up and uh, from where she's sitting and, and sets it down and just sort of looks to Manu with a air of concern. And I think any sort of fear or nerves that Manu feels instantly just shakes it off. I'm like, ah, it is nothing and goes to the door and opens it, you know, looking cozy and like nothing could possibly be a problem. Sure. So there's a man standing there, um, not dressed like a like a gendarme, like not not dressed in a police uniform, like he um, is kind of a, a normal patrol person, um, but maybe more of a, a detective. Um, mm. And he says, "Are you Mademoiselle Casut?" Oui. <laughs> you know, bon matin, good morning, welcome. Like you know, putting him at ease. Like, can I help you? Um, I have some information for you. Do you mind if I, do you mind if I step in? Yes, yes, come in. Do you need some tea, some coffee? Uh, no, that that's okay. You, you have a, a cousin here in Paris, right? Uh, uh Sil- Sylvia Deverin. Oui. And so, um, a little, little backstory here. So, um, Manu has... A cousin, though a cousin who's quite a bit older than she is, and so um, I think Manu probably refers to her as an aunt. Um, but she's the only family that Manu has in Paris. She's the only person from the from the rural from rural France that has also come to Paris, um, and she is a um, a pronunciation is just so bad um a, a couturier she's a she's a she's a fashion designer and a a, mm-hmm. a um a dress a dressmaker fabulous and so the police officer says well mademoiselle i'm i'm sorry to tell you she 
She was found dead this morning in her workshop. What? Yes, I, I, I know. I'm, I'm so sorry to to be the one that has to to bring you this news. But um, yes, she she was found this morning, and and we need you to, as as the as the next of kin in the area, to to come to the morgue and and identify the body for us. I, I'm so sorry. What? And at this, like Manu is just in shock, like cannot ask any questions, like can't move like yeah just frozen I think Rose like seeing Manu struggle in that moment takes a few steps forward she's she's standing next to her you know and she kind of she reaches like one of the she reaches an arm out she doesn't actually touch her but it's kind of that hovering sort of thing mm-hmm. and I think she looks right at um, the police officer and and says like very you know briskly um, uh, what happened how did this happen well, we were summoned to her workshop this morning by by her assistant, and it's the it's the strangest thing. It it seems as though she died of hypothermia, but the fire was still blazing in her workshop. It was quite warm in there, but as as far as I understand, the medical examiner confirmed she she died of hypothermia. It must she she must have gone out in the cold during the night or something like that and made it back to her apartment but not in time to, to warm up enough. Oh, ma chère. Ma Sylvie. And at this point, like, Manu is just starts, like, pacing the room, like, hands sort of in the air, like, how could this happen? Like, why would she do that? What, who has come for her? This is, it does not make any sense. Like, like more and more reaching a stage of, like, disbelief. This doesn't make any sense. Um, I think then while while Manu is pacing, Rose, you know, she just kind of moves right to action. She goes and 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 picks up her own coat, pulls on the sleeves, and um, picks up Manu's coat from where it's you know hung or draped potentially over something. <laughs> um, and and she she sort of holds it out to her friend, and she looks back at the police officer and says. Um, you know, uh, should we go now? Can we go now? Rose has made the assumption that she is coming along. Um, not always particularly great at those types of social cues, but <laughs> has asserted herself in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, yeah, just guides Manu in the right way. She puts her arms into the sleeves automatically and says, yes, yes, we must we must go to her at once. So the police officer tells you that they have a carriage waiting outside to to bring you to the morgue um, to be able to to identify the body. Okay. So what do you think Ooh. the what do you think the atmosphere in the carriage is as the two of you are are heading to the morgue? Oof. I just still like not believing it. Like this is the one person I mentioned like her, feeling misunderstood by her family. Like this is the one person that has understood Manu that she's related to and has been like a bedrock of her life in Paris, like the the reason that she came here and how she started her life. So she, it just feels like the the bedrock of her life is like been pulled out, you know. Oh, Manu. I think Rose is sitting in silence. <laughs> I think she's just sitting across from her friend, um, just sort of waiting for any conversation that might come. And in her own head, is probably gathering all of the questions that she is prepared to ask this investigator once they go and see this aunt. 
Yeah, I think like this nervous energy Manu has is like she's like fiddling with her scarves and her jackets and her hair and like just um, not quite not able to stay still with this knowledge and expects in her mind, though he said they're going to the morgue. She's like picturing that they're going to be at her aunt's studio. Okay. Okay. Um, So I think Manu, as your mind is racing, trying to make sense of what has happened, disbelieving maybe a little prickling starts coming in the back of your mind because you hadn't made this connection before when you were doing it. But about a week ago, you had gone to your cousin's or your aunt's workshop and allowed her to do some fittings on you for some for some dresses that she was making. And again, you hadn't made this connection before, but now you're starting to think like, you know, in, in my own way, did I, did I sit for her in the same way that I have sat for other artists who have died in the past? <sighs> um, and I need you to roll me a composure check as you realize this. Um, so um, in the Yellow King this. RPG, yeah. in the Yellow King <laughs> RPG, there are general abilities and investigative abilities. Um, you don't roll for investigative ones, but you do roll for general abilities. And so this is one of those situations. You're going to be rolling a D6. You don't know what the difficulty level is, though an average is four. Um, and you can spend points from your composure pool if you would like to. Um, so would you like to spend um, any points from your composure pool? No, I, it makes sense that I'm not composed at all. And I rolled a two. You rolled a two. So because you failed your roll by more than one, you get the major shock card for mm-hmm. the situation called You Revisit a Past Source of Distress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Apt. <laughs> yes. Um, and so you you get the the shock card Collie Wobbles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like wobbly legs? <laughs> um, it's just called Collie Wobbles, which I think is um, yeah. the the minor shot card like, for this is butterflies. So it's a it's a it's a more serious version of the butterflies. Yeah. Um, and if you'll write this down, um, you get a minus one to focus tests. Mm-hmm. Um, the the general abilities are divided into focus and something else. It's the the more mental one, so compo- mm-hmm. composure would count as that. Um, and you can discard it by nullifying the consequences of a previous setback, whatever we whatever we want to call that, um, or you know we we can we can interpret future events as nullifying the consequences of a previous setback. Um, so keep that in okay. mind, and also just remember that you now have one shot card, and three shot cards means that you go permanently insane. So uh, mm-hmm. this is this is the <laughs> just keep Straight that in out mind. Out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> what but is it? it? Manu wouldn't is very have made bad sense day. to pass yeah. this right now, right? Like probably not. Probably yeah. not. Um, all right. So the carriage takes you to the morgue, and I think. The morgue is kind of a, it's a dark but sterile place. And they actually recently now have the technology, technology, quote unquote, where they have the, 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 the freezing capability to keep bodies preserved. And so there are 
maybe surprisingly more more like a morgue today than we would expect um, in 1895. Rows and rows of these kind of um, drawers where where bodies are kept, and you're ushered in to meet with the medical examiner who would like you to to examine the body or to identify the body. Like before they even get in the door, like. Manu is not fine. She kind of gets out and is almost like, just like wandering around in the snow. And is like, what? Where, why are we here? What are we? You must take me to. You must take me to Sylvia. What, what are we doing here? Mm. Um, and I think Rose, you know, seeing Manu's distress that she seems to be unraveling a little bit. Um, you know, she hesitates at first, but then she reaches out and and you know, with a strong hand, she grabs she grabs her friend's hand. She holds it and she says, "We need to go." We need to go and see if this is your aunt. I'll come with you. And then she just starts to guide her inside. And that is like a very steadying hand. She like, almost like a child, just like follows at that point. So you go inside and you are, you are met by the medical examiner who takes you to a particular drawer and pulls it out. And you see the body of your cousin. It is, which of you has natural history? Or, yeah, which of you has natural history? I don't, I mean, I, have a, I don't have natural history, no. I think I might. I didn't write it down on the list, but we went through all those different. Mm-hmm. I think that I would from growing up on mm-hmm. a farm. I think that I would. Have that. I think that's right. I think, yeah. I think Manu has natural history. And you would, just by looking at the body, it, it looks like someone who suffered severe cold. There are wounds kind of at the at the tips of the extremities. Um, and the medical examiner says, Mademoiselle, can you confirm that this is your relative, uh, Sylvia Deveren? So when when the drawer opens and it's clear that it is Sylvia, I think Manu drops Rose's hand and like goes to her and puts you know like a one hand on each side of her face and is like, oh my my Sylvie, it's you. What has happened to you? And like looks at her hands and like almost like holds them up and like pe- like how you would if someone were alive and had that of like looking closely and you know feeling wounded that she is in that state. And I don't even remember what question the officer asked. She, she did not Just answer can, the question. If can can you can you confirm that this is your cousin? Or your aunt. Oh yes, this is my Sylvie. Oui. Can I can I ask you, Mademoiselle, do you have do you have any idea what she might have been doing yesterday? No. No, why would anyone be out in this storm? It makes no sense. Yes, it it, it doesn't. And let me tell you, there's something else that doesn't make sense. I I performed the autopsy on Mademoiselle Deveren myself. Mm. And as you can see, and he kind of points at the, you know, at the extremities, the wounds on the extremities that you saw, there are clear signs here of, of perhaps frostbite. And most of the, most of the autopsy revealed signs of hypothermia, like she was out in the storm but as i as as i was told she was found in her workshop the fire was still ablaze in there and the strangest thing 
her heart was frozen solid and in fact remains frozen solid. It still has not thawed. 